Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers podcast with your hosts, Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics revolving around health, nutrition, and physical fitness. If you enjoy the show and wish to support us, please visit patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. If you do not use Patreon but still wish to support us, please also consider checking out our PayPal page at paypal.me forward slash HPOpod. The link to both of those can also be found in the show notes. Finally, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to the next topic. Hello yeah. again, Sean. Yeah, you too. I was uh, following some of the stuff from PaleoFX via Instagram and Twitter, and I felt like I was missing out big time. <laughs> you guys look like you had fun down there. Yeah, it was a good, good event. <laughs> the first event in this world I've ever been to. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was fun. So uh, for people that do not know, Elise, you are known, I guess you have a YouTube channel, you call yourself Raw Alignment. A uh, very yeah. popular channel. I think you had something like, how many subscribers do you have? Like a million or something like that? <sighs> Almost. A little Almost. shy. I have about like 750,000. Wow. That's a lot of people. So yeah. big, big influence. And you uh, you were a proponent of veganism for quite a while. Um, how many years did you, did you do that for? Yeah, I was vegan for about four and a half years. Four and a half years. And then, and then you know, recently you decided that you know, it's not for you anymore. You went, you decided uh, that was no longer the, the best route for you. And then of course you got the typical, everybody that thinks you're crazy and so on and so forth. And we can talk about that, but let's tell yeah. us a little bit about your background, you know, and I know you, I know I heard, I kind of listened to the one you did with Bobby Risto the other day. So uh, I, I got kind of got some of that, but I think most of our listeners haven't heard that. And so it'd be nice just to kind of Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, what you did, you know, your kind of, your kind of decision to, to pursue the past you did, and then we can kind of get into some of the other fun stuff, I think. Zach, anything else to say? No, I think that's great. I think uh, you've got a, I was just looking at your website earlier. You've certainly got an interesting backstory. So I think, yeah, just letting our listeners kind of know, like, uh, who you are, kind of where you came from, and, and we can get into kind of how you found yourself where you are today. And, and I do want to make an apology. First, I want to thank you for coming on. It's, it's wonderful you, you're for doing this. But I have an apology because I was frantically trying to find some kind of background that was unique for you. And I was, you know, I thought you're such a nice, happy people. I was going to try this peaceful ocean sunset scene. And I couldn't get the dang thing to save on my computer. I was scrambling to do that. That's why I was late by about a second here. So uh, I had to use this background that was already used. And I apologize. This is not a fresh background for a new guest, but it's still nice looking. This is from Ecuador, which we use with Tristan Haggard. You got a volcano still, instead. Still got a lot of, we <laughs> got some neat stuff there. So anyway, without further interruption, we'll let you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, Elise. Cool. Yeah. Next time it'll be like a nice sunset over the ocean for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So my backstory, uh, I grew up in Connecticut and I, kind of grew up eating the standard American diet, maybe like slightly healthier than the typical, um, but yeah, not, not too wonderful. And I went to a health and wellness school uh, down in Georgia, and that was when I first started getting really interested in what I thought to be healthy eating, uh, just being a bit more conscious and aware of the things that I was eating. Um, and I kind of started dabbling in the paleo diet way back then. Um, I don't even know how many years ago that was, maybe seven at this point. Um, and I started to do like the whole 30 and then I tried out like a sugar detox for a month and 
was just way back then, like doing all these little experiments on my body, um, trying new things to see how I could feel, but I was struggling a lot with emotional eating. So I was under eating for a while and then I would kind of binge out and overeat and eat a lot of processed food and just kind of felt like I was a slave to sugar and processed food in between all of my attempts to eat paleo and, and all of that. And I eventually reached this rock bottom point um, where I just felt so horrible in my physical body and really not in a great place mentally either. And I, yeah, I, it's pretty uh, not, it's like a, li a little graphic and I, I don't talk about it often, um, but it is part of my story and it is like what I consider to be my rock bottom. Um, that normally I would like over-exercise my extra calories away. And one time I decided I couldn't handle the like insane amount of food in my stomach. So I made myself throw up. And in that moment I was like, what, what the heck am I doing? Like, what am, what am I doing? This isn't the life I'm meant to live. I'm supposed to feel way better than this. Like when I was a child, I didn't feel like I was a slave to food and I'm just in a bad place and I have to do something to change this. Otherwise it's just going to get worse. So I kind of dove into everything that I knew at that point, uh, self-care related. So that was when I started journaling and meditating and kind of spending less time with individuals who were negatively impacting my life. And um, I also changed my diet and that's when I went vegan. And the first like introduction to veganism that I had was uh, someone named Fully Raw Christina, who's eating a completely raw vegan diet. And I just saw her colorful videos and she looked so vibrant and I was in this place of horrible health in myself and I was like, wow, I want to I wanna feel vibrant like this person does. And so veganism for me was never like junk food vegan. It was always like raw vegan. That was kind of all I knew. So I basically went raw within a matter of weeks transitioning from what I was eating before, a lot of processed food, and I started to feel better right away. And so I knew it was a combination of the food I was eating and also all the other things I was doing. And so I got so passionate about it that I just wanted to share my journey with others because the person who inspired me was sharing her journey and I wanted to be able to help other people because I had such a positive change. And so over the last four and a half years, um, I ate different versions of the vegan diet. Uh, I'd say the first two years I was mostly raw, kind of on and off though, because it's not easy to stick to in this world. And um, yeah, and then it just kind of, my health started to decline over the last two years that I was vegan. And um, I think part of it was my diet. And I think part of it was also that I was in an environment in Hawaii um, where there was toxic mold in my house, which definitely took a toll on my, my health, my brain health. And um, I still to this day, I'm trying to figure it out how much my diet played a role and how much my environment played a role. Um, and I'm looking forward to really getting more clear on that as time goes on. But the last uh, year that I was vegan was really intense. Um, a lot of my symptoms were brain related. Um, I also had like severe chronic sinus congestion that never went away unless my heart rate was up. So I would like do jumping jacks and push-ups to get my heart rate up before I would film YouTube videos because I wanted to be able to speak clearly and like not have a stuffy nose. And I basically had no appetite uh, the last year. Uh, I was losing a bit of weight and I kind of felt nauseous when I would eat and I had a lot of brain struggle. So essentially I had memory loss. Like I just wasn't remembering things from conversations like 
just five minutes ago and I wasn't remembering a lot of things during that whole phase of my life. I also had struggles articulating myself. Um, that was the hardest thing for me because what I do is speak uh, on camera and I write and that was really hard for me and totally uh, took a toll on my life and what I do. Um, and so it wasn't until I kind of got out of my Hawaii environment and visited a friend and came back to the house that I realized the house was definitely a trigger. Um, I don't know how, how much deeper you want me to go in, but um, yeah, essentially I like, I moved away from Hawaii. My health started to um, improve quite a bit and I, I don't know, it just, it felt like I wasn't really back to where I was before uh, all of this started to take a toll on me and I knew that my brain was capable of more. Like I kept thinking back, I used to articulate myself so well, I used to be able to think so clear, like I just felt this ceiling in my functioning of my body and so I kind of got fed up because I'm such a advocate for really living the healthiest way we can and so uh, I had a friend who had tried out the carnivore diet for about 30 days and he was vegan as well beforehand and transformed his health in all these different ways and he shared it with me and I was like super confused at first because of the whole dogma and everything surrounding the vegan diet and lifestyle but eventually I got to this point where I was like ah, I just I'm down to try anything and my health has just been like on a steady incline for the past four months that I've been mostly carnivore. That was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's good information, Elise. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, uh, was looking at the other day, there's a, there's a group that has a bunch of sort of former vegans that have switched, not necessarily to carnivore diets, but I kind of wanted to see what they felt was the period of time where they felt the best, you know, because certainly we, we see it all the time. We see a lot of vegans that will say, yeah, I feel a lot better. And I don't doubt that they do. And, and many of them do for many, many years. And some of them maybe even their whole lives, but some of them, some of them obviously don't, as you're, you're well aware of that. But um, it seemed to me that the, the, the people sort of peaked, you know, they would come from often a, you know, kind of a junky, crappy American diet, which most people are on anyway. And then they, you know, they get rid of a lot of junk. They start eating real food, which you certainly can do on a vegan diet, no doubt. And they feel better. And they said most of them said it was about a six month, maybe a year period where they, so they felt that was where they felt the best. And then things started to go down. Is that something, I mean, I know you talked about mold exposure, but is that something you're seeing in general, a lot of people outside of yourself, or is that what you experienced about that time frame? Um, I would say maybe for me, it was a little bit more than six months, maybe like a year or two years. Um, I would say it seems more like a three to four year trend, or at least that's where people get to a point where they're like, I'm really down to try something else. But I think, yeah, maybe it's about a year or two years in that, that things start to happen, but like there's complete denial and it's like, oh no, I just have to try this within the vegan diet or just try this and then like, I'll feel better again. So yeah, there's definitely like a honeymoon period from for me and for a lot of people that I know. Well, I think that's one of the interesting things about it too, because if you are someone who kind of jumps into like a a vegan or plant-based approach and you hit that point where you're feeling great and maybe it lasts six months, maybe it lasts a year. And then you start to have either a steady or a, an abrupt decline. You remember what it was like to feel good. So like it's a different situation than what we see with a lot of folks who are just following a standard American diet and just don't even know what it's like to feel good. So they don't even have that point of contact with yeah. feeling, I guess what you'd maybe call optimized but I think that would be almost more difficult because at that point, then you, you, you start to look at the, your, your nutrition as, okay, 
it worked for me at one point. I just need to find a way to make it work again. And yeah. if you're, if you're following a specific approach, like, like a vegan, vegan lifestyle, then you're going to probably try to work within those parameters. And then you're left with however long it takes to kind of either remedy it or have it fall off so far that, um, you switch all together and do something different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think for me, the feeling of having that, that maximum health within the vegan diet didn't feel good because I just kind of knew and trusted there was more out there. Um, but I think a lot of people uh, don't even necessarily know or believe that they can feel better uh, outside of the vegan diet, which is, yeah, it's tough. Mm -hmm. it becomes a mental game then. Lisa, may I ask yeah. because as someone who, you know, obviously has a, a, a huge following, a lot of people sort of look up to you and you've inspired probably hundreds, if not thousands of people to, to adopt a vegan diet. There's a lot of pressure to sort of, you know, maintain that. And I, even as someone who has a little, you know, starting to get a little bit of, you know, following myself, I notice that, you know, I'm the guy that's saying meat is great and everybody should eat a bunch of meat. And, you know, you know, I would imagine if at some point my health faltered, unfortunately it hasn't, you know, despite people think I'm the sickest guy in the world, but um, you know, I would feel that pressure to not say that, oh yeah, I need to eat lots of vegetables to be healthy. I mean, it just, it becomes part of your identity. And talk to me a little bit about the pressure that you're under to, to maintain this sort of persona, because I know there's other people that are criticized for, yeah, they were still promoting veganism, even though they were secretly eating fish or eggs or on the side. And so talk to me a little bit about the pressure that's out there for people that, you know, get this huge sort of, uh, because, you know, it, it is, it's very, um, uh, gratifying to have people that look up to you and respect you and, and then to sort of be not necessarily agreeing anymore with what you were saying before. Talk to about the pressure about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely been a wild ride. Luckily, um, about a year and a half ago, I started naturally gravitating away from focusing on food and more towards like other areas of self-growth and mindset transformation. And that was without even knowing what was coming. And I'm so thankful for that because at least, at least there was that period of time where like some people started to see like, oh, she's not like just this food vegan YouTuber anymore. Like she's actually focusing on other things. But of course there were a lot of people who still, even though I was completely moving away from food, still saw me as this vegan YouTuber. Um, and so when I made the switch, there was definitely a insane amount of just problems, problems with my own dietary decision, because at one point I was very passionate in talking about veganism and the food and all of that. Um, for me, I kind of videos and everything that I share as like a documentation of my personal journey. Um, there were in the past, like little vegan cleanses and little things that I offered, but in the past, like two years, there wasn't anything vegan related. That was like something I was fully promoting and sharing. It was more like documenting my own thing. That's kind of the way that I saw it and that I still see everything that I share. Uh, because the truth is, is I don't have the nutritional, um, like actual knowledge and scientific studies and everything. I'm not really in that realm. I'm more of like, you know, vlogging, documenting realm. And so I don't try and act like I know all the things, but I think just the fact that I'm sharing my own journey, others will perceive me as an authority or as somebody who like knows what they're saying when really like I'm just coming from a place of trial and error, personal experience. So 
it's hard to get that message across when others just straight up don't see it that way. And I also do recognize that I do have some level of responsibility to try to be as responsible with what I share. But when it comes down to it, I've never been saying like, this is right, this is wrong, you should do what I do. Um, it's kind of more of like, I'm documenting the journey, but it hasn't been easy because there are people who, who don't see it that way. Well, I think too, like along those lines, one of the interesting things I see, especially, especially here in the U.S. is like, there really are no kind of like rules in terms of like what you can and cannot eat from a, from a standpoint that like you just can't get it. So like people have just such an availability to almost anything. Uh, you, you almost have to be in a position or put yourself in a position if you want to focus on nutrition for health is to kind of put your, give yourself those rules and then try things out and then see how your body responds to them. So when you have folks like yourself, and I think, um, what's the guy, uh, the vegetable police, he kind of does that same thing too, where he'll, he doesn't really necessarily speak from a, an authority standpoint, but he'll, he'll just say, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm feeling. And you be the judge of whether you want to try it or not. And I kind of like that in the sense that like, it's kind of teaching the message that I think is important where um, let's focus on real food and then let's figure out which real foods work best for you personally. And the only way to do that is to try it. And sure. yeah, so you kind of, you're kind of laying the groundwork or like laying the, the, the blueprint of like, well, this is how you do it. This is how I do it. Maybe, maybe right. you can try your version of this. Right. I think where it gets sticky though is when, myself or other people very passionately speak about what's working for us it's like that is usually perceived as like you should try this too even though i'm just stoked about my journey and like happy about the ups and the downs and what i'm learning from everything but it comes off as like very passionate and i think that can be perceived as like oh she's telling me what to do um but i totally agree that my intention is to show others like dude just just try it out and see how you feel you know, there's a, uh, obviously there's a lot of back and forth and, you know, we, you know, when you were probably uh, practicing veganism, you probably aware of a lot of, you know, the physicians and other advocates and, and they would talk about studies that would support their position. And I'm certainly, you know, I, I produced some studies, a lot of studies that, that show that maybe there's reasons to think maybe that's not accurate. And, you know, the, people will criticize on both sides. This study's wrong because it's epidemiologist. This study's wrong because it was funded by so-and-so. This study's wrong by, you know, whoever. And, and the honest, at the end of the day, answer, I think, is we just don't know. At the end of the day, we don't have enough. We just don't have good studies. And there's a lot of studies out there, but then most of them are not very good. And so at the end of the day, I think we have to say, you know, you're going to have to try it yourself and see. And, you know, when Bobby Riesta was on here a couple weeks ago or a month ago or so, and it was very popular, a lot of people enjoyed that. But Bobby has come to the point where he says that no one should do veganism. He thinks it's awful that no one should do that. And I understand his point because he's just from, just from that and it hurt him and, and, you know, he doesn't feel good. And I understand that sentiment. But I, even myself who promotes a carnivore diet, I don't have that attitude. I think that as an adult, you should select the diet you're allowed to try and just be realize that, that it may not work for you. But where do you, where do you, where are you, where do you fall? Are you in the line that veganism is the craziest thing in the world? No, no human should try that. Or is it more of a line that, you know, it may work for some people, but it's not the end all, you know, the answer for everybody. Where, where, where are you, where are you at philosophically right now? Uh, I would say I'm more in alignment with your perspective on it. That like, maybe, maybe it's working really well for people. Maybe it will. Um, 
but I would say there is also a level of like it has definitely impacted my life in what I kind of see now as a negative way. And again, I don't know how much of it is diet, how much of it is my was my physical environment, but promoting a diet that you are not following anymore and that you're monetizing it and all this rubbish. But um, can you guys hear me okay? Because I think my internet is like on and off. You cut out a tiny bit there, but it wasn't, okay. I don't think we missed anything. Okay, cool. Um, so I, at first, my gut reaction was like, no, I'm going to leave everything because it's part of my journey. But after about a three to four weeks in, um, I started to go back and actually see like, what are my videos from two or three or four years ago? And I started to have these feelings and emotions come up of like, honestly, I don't, I don't want this information out there because I don't necessarily stand behind it anymore. And so I took down so many of my videos, probably like 40 videos or something. So I'd say I'm totally open to the idea of veganism working for other people, but for some reason, the feeling of me having a lot of my videos up kind of sharing so passionately about it and me now not knowing like how well it really impacted me um, in the long run, uh, I would say there's definitely a level of like, I don't wanna be putting that message out there anymore. Yeah, and I think where, where any kind of diet trend or nutrition. I mean, <laughs> nutrition seems to have fallen into the same category as politics and religion these days, but um, it's, it's interesting because I think like if the, if, the, if the message is going to be, if you don't do this, you're a bad person, you're going to get people in it without the right mindset. Whereas like, I, like, like Sean said, and you mentioned, I don't have any problem with someone saying, oh, I'm going to try the vegan diet or I'm going to try a plant-based diet especially if they're going to go in with an open mind and say, if I feel great and continue to feel great, I'm going to kind of keep playing around with this and keep trying to uh, keep trying to feel as good as I can. But if it stops working for me, I'm going to keep an open mind to try different things. I think that's a great message. But yeah. when the message is, um, if you don't do this, you're a murderer, or if you don't do this, uh, you're destroying the planet. You know, that's, that's putting people in a position where they don't have choices anymore, putting people in a position where um, they'll make, the wrong decision because they think they're making the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's this whole other social level of it because I've talked to a lot of people who have reached out to me since sharing I'm not vegan anymore. And a lot of people have considered it, but there's this whole social aspect of like everyone knows at least one vegan who will literally stop speaking to you if you go and shift your diet. And I think that what I've noticed in other people is that that's a huge um, obstacle for them to basically try anything else, which is super, super sad. And so in that situation, I tried to just share with people like, that is a cleansing experience. How awesome would it be to have people in your life who literally just want you to thrive? And there's no, there's no issues if you're going to try something um, for your own for your own good and to be able to function better. But I think there's definitely that level too of like the, the social pressure. What was the, uh, was there a single moment where you decided I'm going to eat, I don't know what your first animal food was, egg or most, it seems like eggs and fish seem to be the, the first choice for everybody, but yeah. what was, what, what was the sort of decision? How did the decision-making process go when you went from someone that is, you know, a lot of your identity was I, I'm into this, you know, vegan lifestyle and then you have to make that decision. So can walk us through that decision-making process and kind of how that went for you that first, you know, however long it took. 
Okay. Yeah. So I would say there's kind of like two main situations. Um, for me, the first thing that I ate again was eggs and the, I guess the decision-making process for me, I was kind of about three months into this pretty strict protocol for kind of like detoxing my body from, from mold and candida and everything. And it was very restrictive. Um, I wasn't eating that many different types of food and I was in the gym regularly and just kind of felt like, where the heck am I getting my protein right now? And I just felt weak and I wasn't feeling good. And so it was at the time that my friend uh, Drew was trying the carnivore diet and really thriving with it. And so I gained inspiration from that and was kind of just like, I'm just going to try this like just a little bit and see what happens. So that was kind of like, it didn't feel that difficult for me. It didn't feel like a very emotionally tough decision. Um, but when I kind of made the official decision to like give carnivore a try myself, not just like adding eggs into this restricted vegan diet, um, that was maybe two or three months after I incorporated the eggs. Um, and I, yeah, I guess I went back to Hawaii and was visiting some friends and all my symptoms came back like full force. And, um, when I returned home to Colorado, they were kind of lingering and I was just like, so frustrated because I had so much head pressure. Like I just, my head was not in an okay place to think or communicate or anything. Um, and I'm so passionate about the work that I do. So it was hard for me to fall back into those same symptoms. And, um, some of my friends in Hawaii had just recently shifted their diet to from vegan to incorporating more meat and, everybody was just experiencing these benefits. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not at a point where I want to continue feeling this horribly. Um, I feel like, I feel like everybody deserves to feel good. So it was at that point and just this complete frustration and surrender that I was like, I'm just going to try it for seven days and see what happens. And so I had eight ounces of salmon this one night and I woke up the next morning and all my head congestion, my head pressure, um, brain fog, everything had completely gone away, like every single one of the symptoms. And I was just like, oh, fuck, like this is, this is doing something important. Uh, this is doing a good thing for me. So I'm going to continue. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting because we hear, and uh, you know, guys like Tim Sheaf, who I think we, we're going to have him, him on, I think maybe next month, I think, you know, said that, you know, he ate some salmon and he, the first time he had, he ejaculated, you know, he hadn't had that. And then we saw, you know, the actress Anne Hathaway who said, you know, she had a piece of salmon in a restaurant after years of veganism and it felt yeah. like her brain rebooted. And so it's almost sounds miraculous. And so you kind of, you yeah. kind of listen to it kind of skeptically. It kind of sounds kind of, kind of goofy, but you hear it so right. much. You just have to think, you know, maybe there yeah. is something there. Um, you know, we see, um, do you find that a lot of people normalize being sick on a vegan diet and just say that's kind of normal? Because we see a lot of people complain about digestive issues and there's people out there saying like freely banana girl, oh, you have a little bit of bloating. It's no big deal. You know, it's, you take Sorry, it for the animals. Type stuff. But I, I do see, I do seem to see, uh, you know, some degree of, you know, well, that's just normal. Like, you know, maybe some poor dental health or uh, you know, digestive issues in particular or low energy stuff. Like, do you, do you see that much going, going on? Um, I feel like I can't speak too, too much to this because I, I don't honestly don't tune in to that many people on YouTube, even though I'm here myself, I don't like, I don't tune into a lot. So that would just be in regards to the people that I know in person who are, or now are vegan. Um, 
And yeah, I would say as people's stories started to come out, people started to transition and they would start talking about like all the things that they were struggling with. A lot of those things are common themes like the digestion, the skin, inability to like gain and uh, keep muscle um, and the teeth stuff too. Um, I'm lucky enough to not have dealt with any teeth stuff. Uh, I definitely had my fair share of digestive issues. Um, But in regards to like normalizing it, I would say that maybe it's just not talked about as much as it could be. Um, You know, me and a few friends in Hawaii would always be so open with our struggles and would try and like solve them together. But I would say there's probably a lot of people who are vegan in their own little world and they don't have a community around them and they feel like there's nobody they can talk to about it. Um, So I feel like people are probably suffering in silence um, and maybe not knowing that this is happening to like a lot of other people too. So as uh, I'm trying to think, so you're you're a couple months into a meat-based diet. What, what sort of physical changes or mental changes have you seen uh, just that you can, you can relate? Um, well, I would say a lot, <laughs> like a ton of changes, a ton of positive changes. Um, the number one thing for me that I was struggling with that has completely turned around was my brain. I just felt like I had brain fog. I couldn't, I like could not understand what people were saying and my brain just wasn't working properly, which started to feel like really scary towards the end. Um, And now I just feel like my brain is doing so much better. Um, That was the number one thing for me. And it feels good to be able to talk again because I I literally couldn't do like a one take video. I couldn't do an interview like this without just kind of sounding dumb for lack of other words for a while. So that was a huge one. Um, Sex drive is massive. I feel like I really didn't have that on a vegan diet and pretty much immediately Uh, I gained that back and uh, I feel like my body is maintaining muscle, even though I'm a pretty small person. I noticed that it is maintaining muscle when I'm doing way less uh, physically than I was when I was eating a vegan diet. I felt like I was putting in all the work, like so consistent, lifting heavy, and uh, I just, nothing was really happening to my body. Um, What else? Digestion is incredible like absolutely amazing um bloating was such a huge thing for me on a vegan diet and i kind of felt like the last year that i was vegan when i didn't really have an appetite and wasn't eating as much that was kind of the only time during a vegan diet that i didn't really have digestive issues as much as previously obviously because i wasn't eating as much but with a carnivore diet, like I'm eating high volume, like a lot of food for my size and my digestion is just amazing. Um, I feel like my skin is slightly better. I never really had skin issues, but it just feels more hydrated. And I don't know how much you guys have dove into like the vegan facial features and like deterioration and all of that, but I definitely started to have like sunken in cheekbones and my eyes were like not looking great. Um, and I feel like my face is becoming more full and like alive again. I think those are the main ones. That's really interesting. I think like, did you, one thing I always am curious about, cause I think sometimes with, like you, you have someone who is vegan, so they're very able to kind of put a structure under the nutrition and they're very, you know, willing to kind of like be regimental about stuff like that. So then when they do switch out, I think some people kind of do a gradual transition, but other ones kind of go zero to a hundred, so to speak. And then they're like, you know, raw, 
raw meat carnivores a week later. And I always think about that because when I, you know, I've never been vegan, uh, but I was, I followed a high carb diet and then switched to a high fat, low carb diet years ago. And one of the things I noticed when I first started was there were some foods that it took my stomach a bit of time to kind of get used to tolerating again. And eggs was actually one of them. Like I'd have to cook, like it was weird if I would like hard boil an egg, no issues. But if I would do like a, you know, kind of like a sunny side up or a little runnier scramble egg, then I would get like a stomach cramp after it. And after kind of slowly reintroducing that, it went away altogether. And someone told me once it was like stomach acid had to be like the bile secretion essentially to say it in short was needed to get kind of restructured around my new, the new foods I was eating. Um, so did you see anything kind of goofy when you transitioned away or have you done it kind of more gradually and just uh, not had a whole lot of hiccups along the way? Yeah, good question. So for me, the last year and a half that I was vegan, I was eating an extremely high fat vegan diet. So my body is definitely already adapted to using fat, which is amazing because I literally had no understanding of, of, of any of that and how important that would be when transitioning uh, to a more animal-based diet. Um, so when I first incorporated eggs, I do remember I had a little bit of issues digesting them in the very beginning. Um, but at the time that I switched everything to like straight meat, fish, eggs, um, and a little bit of greens in the beginning, I had absolutely no trouble digesting anything, uh, which was pretty cool. I don't know why, but I'm grateful that I didn't. It was just like immediate benefits. Yeah, no, it is always it's always pretty fascinating to listen to kind of how people's stories are different or how people transition differently. And I think it's just a good message to have out there. Cause one thing I always worry about is when you have this, like a new dietary approach kind of catch on quickly, which I think we could say with a carnivore diet is people will look at, uh, you know, all the perfect transitions and think this is going to happen to me. And then, you know, they don't give it enough time to kind of let it sink in. So kind of hearing the variety and we've, we've certainly had a variety of different guests who've had, a variety of different intro stories so it's good to hear them all yeah and i was just gonna say and i i have a lot of friends who are kind of making the switch now and a lot of people in the community too and not everybody's stories like mine like especially people coming from a high carb vegan diet it's an entirely different story so yeah i definitely agree it's important for people to know it's not going to be flawless for them just because it has been for me Elise, let me um the, the critics will say that you know you were a raw vegan and you you, you just didn't know what you're doing. And, you know, why didn't you do, you know, Dr. Grieger's daily dozen version or, you know, any of the other, you know, physicians that say, you know, whole food, plant-based cook, you know, whole food, plant-based with cooked foods and a balance of this and a balance of that. Um, what do you say to people that will say that? I mean, was that something that you, that you tried actually, or were you, you know, like I said, you know, were you in there just doing the, the fruit cleanses and the, you know, the, the raw stuff the whole time? Yeah, good question. I definitely had a fair share of cleansing. I've done a few juice cleanses. I definitely was raw for periods of time. I think the most at one time was like three months straight. Um, it says instable internet again. Um, so yeah, I definitely had those experiences, but there were also phases of my vegan journey that I was eating cooked food. I was eating a pretty balanced diet but I would say I always kind of listened to my body. I wasn't tuning in too much to like other people's protocols. It was just like, 
what I knew was making me feel the best and literally just using my body like as an experiment and seeing what felt good, how I functioned uh, in my body physically, mentally, all of that. Um, yeah, there was, there was a time where I, I hiked half of the Appalachian Trail a couple summers ago and I was eating a ton of processed vegan food. And after I got off, um, I thought I was going to jump back in and like eat raw, lots of fruit, uh, things that I was eating previously, but my body was just like deeply craving fats and greens and that was it. And from that point on, that was like the last year and a half where I just wasn't really eating much fruit or carbohydrates. It was more high fat and I was just listening to what my body was like deeply asking for. Um, that's kind of always been my approach and People can say what they wish of it, that I didn't do it right, uh, that I wasn't eating enough. But when I tell my whole story, like there's always reasons for what I was doing. Yeah, well, a lot of people will say, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's always a vegan solution. I've heard people say that, that you, you, can, you can always make it work. And, and, and some people just can't. And the one thing that we do notice is that putting animal foods in the diet makes things really, really easy. It's just, you don't even have to really think much about it. You don't have to worry about, you know, doing all the balancing and all that stuff because that you kind of get to nutrition you need. And, and um, you know, there'd be people that would say, you know, you weren't even, a, you weren't even a vegan, you know, because if you ever quit, you're, you're never, you're never a vegan. You're, you're merely yeah. based. And so I wonder, um, you know, one thing Bobby Risto said that he felt that veganism is not really an organic movement. It's not a natural movement. It's being sort of propped up. It's being sort of kind of manipulated by, you know, corporations trying to really push, push, push this movement more than people that are actually doing it because there's such a, there's such a high turnover. You know, there's people, particularly young people. And, and you know, obviously you're, I mean, you look to be fairly young world from where I'm sitting, you know, and I, I don't want to ask a woman her age because sometimes you get in trouble when you do that. But you know, we see a lot of youth that get tied up in this. And some of it's, uh, you know, because they want to do the, they want to do the things. When I was a kid, I wanted to do, you know, do the right thing for the world and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And then as time goes by, you kind of start to get more wisdom and experience and you realize that it's a lot more uh, sort of nuanced than you thought it was. And you kind of learn some more things, but do you think that there is a, um, do you think there's some degree of, of sort of this vegan movement being helped along or pushed by uh, corporations and, and that sort of thing? Do you, can you detect that happening like, like Bobby says it is? I would say pretty much the only insight I have in that realm is from Bobby himself. So I can't speak too much to that. Um, but I know that, yeah, he's done a lot of research. I think he's like talked to farmers recently and, and documented a bit of it. Um, and from what he said, there's definitely some sort of an agenda or at least a little bit of support in that realm. Um, but yeah, I can't speak too much on that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, we look at, you know, the, the company Beyond Meat with the Beyond Meat, they just had their IPO and, you know, they like yeah. double or tripled in value within a couple of days. So there's, you know, obviously there's money. I mean, the, the artificial meat industry, I think, is an $11 billion business and it's projected to go $25 billion in the next uh, five years or so. So there's obviously some money to be made. And I think there's, it, it, it yeah. lends itself. Um, and it's very nice if you can say your product is healthier for the environment and healthier for, for people and you're going to get more people to buy to buy into that. Yeah. Um, and we see a lot of celebrities endorsing it. It's on a lot of menus now, and you know the, the companies pay to put it on there. So we, you know, we certainly see a profit motive. Motive, and, and anytime I, you know, I, I just the cynic in me when I ever see I see plant based or powered by plants, I just think powered by cheap 
cheap, profitable products because it's a lot cheaper to and more profitable to make those things. So I'm, I'm yeah. very skeptical about that. But um, if you were, you know, if you were to go back to a lease from five or six years ago and you could tell yourself, you know, could, you know, and you put yourself in that same mindset where you're in then where you're struggling you had kind of issues and not in a good place in your life. And you could tell yourself something about what you were learning. What would you, what would you tell yourself if you could? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I would probably tell myself not to entirely write off uh, animal products and, and meat as a whole and just kind of to focus more on actual foods and not processed foods, which for the beginning phase of my vegan journey, I was focusing on whole foods. Um, but yeah, just dabbling into like protein powders and, and the more processed stuff like the Beyond Meat Burger, um, I would just wish that I knew back then to not even dabble and to just focus on the legitimate things themselves. And I do wish that I learned a little bit more about the nutritional benefits of meat and fish and eggs. And I just kind of wrote that off when I first dove into veganism and I wish I didn't. When you, when you made that decision, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go into veganism. Was your information, I mean, were you like carefully looking at all sides of this argument or did you kind of wrap, you know, just kind of say, that sounds cool. And you just kind of stay in that world and get all your information from one place. Because I think, you know, obviously I think there's two sides of the story and there's, again, there's lots of data that can support one way and you, you can support really any data, any diet you want with, with the nutritional studies that are out there. You know, that's, that's the honest truth. Yeah. Um, but do you find that many people just kind of, they just kind of tune everything out, you know, cause I, you know, I, 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 and I don't do this very much anymore because I find it to be pointless, but I would have sort of vegan advocates telling me, show me a study and I'll show them a study and then they'll say, well, that's a bad study. Show me another, yeah. and I'll show them another study. So that's a bad study too. And so it's like, you can't win, but did you find yourself sort of, uh, you know, sort of with this, uh, you know, this, this sort of, uh, uh you know, bias, you know, where you where everything you just supported your, your cognitive biases, you know, with, with what you hear and ignoring everything else. 110%. I think that the majority of people who pursue a vegan diet and lifestyle fall into that. And especially since I was so young, I mean, I was like 19 or 20 when I first dove in and yeah, I think that I first went into it totally wanting to enhance my personal health and then I learned about the ethics and that came along with which is essentially that this is the only way and the meat industry is corrupt and all factory farming all of that and I think that one thing's for sure is that a lot of people or I'll speak for myself when I was deep into veganism I saw all meat as factory farmed meat because there is just kind of that blanket statement of like, this is what happens in factory farming. And somehow that also like trickles out and also um, means that all meat and fish and eggs are, are basically raised in that same way and that they're going to affect your health in that same way. Uh, and I know a lot of people who feel that way, like they'll look at um, grass fed meat and they'll be like, that is just as bad when it's completely different. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that a fair bit. We've had some ranchers on. We've also had some like holistic uh, animal agriculture folks on the show to kind of just unpack all that sort of stuff and where the ethics actually lie. And then, 
you know, you, you keep going down that rabbit hole and then you realize, you know, whatever you eat, you're, something's dying and not just a plant. A lot of times you see all the animals that get, get uh, removed from their natural habitat or simply caught up in a combine something like that. And it's like, it, it, it kind of gets to that point where, where everyone is kind of faced with this reality that we're part of this system, not separate from it, trying to manage it from the outside. Although we certainly play a huge role in managing it. Uh, is, was that a big struggle for you in terms of when you finally did kind of separate from the vegan movement? Was it like, did you have a hard time getting past that ethical side of it? Or had you already kind of looked into what the actual kind of reality was before you kind of made the decision? Yeah, good question. Um, so I would say a few years ago, I definitely had a phase where I was like more passionate and like heated with the whole ethical standpoint, but I kind of fizzled out of that. And so when it came time for me to be in my like complete moment of frustration and surrender, um, it wasn't that entirely tough of a decision for me to make because I was so kind of helpless at the time that I was just down to try anything. And I, I just felt like my brain was so shut down that I was totally like up for it. Um, it was hard the first few times I was like taking bites of these things, the fish and the meat. Um, it was weird. Um, but I just expressed gratitude and, you know, after the first night where like all of my symptoms went away, um, that was, that kind of made it easier because it taught me that there's something to this. And for me, health has always been number one, even though the whole ethical standpoint, um, was a thing as well. Um, but yeah, I never, uh, before making my decision to eat meat, fish and eggs again, I didn't look into, to what you were just talking about, how like, even with these other crops of like wheat and soy, like everything's being wiped out. That's something I'm just learning now after the fact. Um, but luckily I didn't really let it take a toll on me emotionally too, too much. It was kind of just like, damn, there's something to this. And like, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to learn about it as I go, but, um, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to say like, I got to research all this stuff and make sure this is the right decision before diving in. Now for a word from our sponsors. All right, folks, this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox offers you convenience by delivering your meat right to your door with free shipping. They also offer quality by having options such as 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, heritage breed pork, and free-range chicken. They also offer value with their goal to make clean meat accessible to as many people as possible by partnering with a collective of small farms. They are able to deliver you the best products for less than $6 per meal. They often run promos on their website for subscribers to get things like free pork or free bacon. If you enter promo code HPO at checkout, you can also knock an additional $20 off your first subscription. So head over to butcherbox.com and place your first order. Now back to the show. Yeah, one one of the things that I get frustrated with is, you know, people say, well, you can't feed the whole world on a carnivore diet. And I'm I'm not an advocate for that. And I, I don't think that's even, you know, to, to, to think that we're going to put every single person on the planet on the exact same diet to me is is, is ludicrous. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you could even... You know, you could, I mean, I mean, I, I think there's people out there would, would like us all eating some little pre-processed bar with the perfect blend of vitamins and minerals, and it's all just completely processed. And I'm sure there's people that would love to see that. 
but I don't think that's a real possibility or a likelihood, or hopefully it won't be. I'd, I'd be sad to live in a world where that was the case. Um, but, you know, we have this sort of all or nothing approach. And I think, you know, the meat industry certainly, and, I, and I'm somebody who likes meat, they have problems. There are issues that need to be improved upon. I mean, there are, you know, factory farming is a blanket term, but there's, there's variations and gradations within that particular system. There's different types of regenerative and holistic management. There's different, even the crop agriculture. I mean, there's some people that do that well. I mean, they, they do rotational cropping and, you know, most of the crops, many of the crops are not necessarily monocropped. There, there's a lot of farmers will rotate their fields, but I mean, there's ways to improve upon that. And certainly there are, you know, there's problems, there's fertilizer problems and pesticides and herbicides that we have to spray on. And it's, it's just a, it's such a nuanced, difficult topic. And I think, you know, people like myself and yourself, we just, we really don't know enough. I mean, we think we do and we can become passionate about it. I, I don't think there's anything. Yeah. One of the things I'd like to see more people, young people particularly that have this passion uh, that maybe are in the vegan movement or wanting to go vegan or maybe were vegan and want to do something else, but want to continue to make an impact is to really get behind some of the regenerative agriculture, because even if the world doesn't completely adopt that, and I, I don't think they will, quite honestly, I mean, I'm just trying to be a realist here. I think that if a, a larger and larger percentage do, that will have, a, have an impact. You know, I think, again, it doesn't have to be change the whole world to vegan or change the whole world to, to, to Joel Salatin style farms. But I do think we can make incremental gains there. And I think that's where we're, we're going we're gonna to be best off, you know, in the long run, because it's all or nothing dietary approach, whether it's carnivore, whether it's vegan, might not necessarily be the best thing. And I think the one thing I, I find about, and I gave a lecture to uh, these people in Seattle, and I basically defined a carnivore diet in my sense. And I said, you know, it's, it's focused on, you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase what I wrote because I don't have it right in front of me. But basically I said, focusing on animal-based nutrition, you know, with, with either the, limit, the elimination or limitation of plants as needed for health. And I think that's, that's a fair assessment. You know, you limit the things or eliminate them if you need to. But at the end of the day, the result is your health. And, and that's the only goal. And that's very kind of different from veganism, which many people will say veganism is not a diet. It is a set mm -hmm. of systems where, you know, we're trying to minimize harm. And I have no doubt that's what they want to do. I disagree that they're actually achieving what they think they are because there's so many other things yeah. that go into this. But at the same time, you know, I think if people step back and say, what's realistic, what's, you know, it, it, it's not a black and white world. We live in a very gray world. And as you learn, just in a, in a period of five years, things change a lot, even within the same person. And, and you yeah. know, to think that you're going to be rigidly held to the same thing for the rest of your life is silly. I don't even, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to be carnivore diet guy for the rest of my life. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I think I like meat and I'll probably keep continue to eat quite a bit of it. And I think that's probably likely, but I don't, I don't know. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to paint myself into that corner. And I feel sorry for people like, you know, like uh, some of these physicians that are just so doggedly into this, or you mm -hmm. can see clearly people in the YouTube space that are just maybe not doing so well on their dietary choice. And, and you know, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention freely the banana girl by name, but, but never, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just worry, you know, that people, they, they, they so rigidly paint themselves into this ethical corner that it, that it's just destructive to them. Do you, uh, do you have any people in that space? Cause I imagine as a popular, you know, popular sort of celebrity in the vegan world, you probably had a lot of connections with those folks and not calling anybody out by name, but I know Bobby said there's a lot of them out there in the background that are struggling with this. How do I, sort of get myself out of this situation that I've got myself in and still, you know, 
make a living, I guess, for some people that are, you know, YouTube, this being, I'm, I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not a YouTuber. You know, I'm not making a living off of YouTube. I'm just throwing right. videos once in a while. So talk to me about, I mean, maybe there's nobody out there, but are you aware of people that have contacted you that, that maybe struggle with some of this stuff? Yeah, I would say maybe not so much like any of the bigger YouTubers at this point. Uh, a lot of them have turned back and changed their diet and are feeling much better. Um, my friend Yovana from Ravana changed her diet and that was a wild story, but she's feeling better. Um, a lot of people that have switched I'm in contact with and we were friends before and we're kind of just all supporting each other now. Um, but there's definitely a lot of a lot of people who do have smaller YouTube channels who are kind of just getting into it and like now they're like they're experiencing these health issues and they want to turn back but there's just this this pressure around it of like this is the identity that I've given myself basically and then I know a lot of people who are not on YouTube but like it's totally impacting their life and they want to change back but they're worried about their friends and and just totally the internet aside like in their own community, they've built themselves up within their family and friends as this person uh, that's doing the right thing. And now they're struggling. And so there's definitely, it's like, I think it's very silenced. And that's why even though my channel and raw alignment is not heavily focused on food anymore, I still feel that this is so important to be talking with you guys about this and to be putting the message and the story out there so that people know they can talk about it and that they're not alone in it. So yeah, there's definitely people who are struggling that haven't made the switch yet, but I do get messages from people every day. I just got a message before we hopped on here that I haven't responded to saying like, I just had fish for the first time and she's feeling better. So yeah. Yeah, that's something I would think, you know, so especially someone with, uh, with your reach would see a, a fair bit of would be like, you have these people that are kind of hiding their symptoms in secrecy. And then they see someone like yourself who is willing to go public with your change and then feel like, okay, this is someone I can safely talk to these issues about. Uh, I think as we see more and more folks do that, it's just going to open up some doors for people who are struggling to, you know, reach out and, and talk to people who were in a fairly similar, if they're not almost exact scenario that they were. Yeah, definitely. I think I heard you guys talking earlier about there's some like support group or Facebook group or something from people who are transitioning. I need to get a hold of that because I can't be like <laughs> messaging everyone um, about these changes because the amount of people is growing. So I need to like direct them there. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. And funnily enough, I started that, you know, in, in, in a sincere effort to and, and, and basically it's an environment that I created for people to do that without ridicule, without people harassing them, I, I tell them no anti-vegan stuff. I don't want that crap in there just to help each other out. It's called the Restoration Health Vegan Recovery Groups on Facebook. And we've got, I think it's getting close to about a couple thousand people in there now. And it's, you know, and, and it's mostly ex-vegans and, you know, they talk about, or vegetarians. And there's some family members that are trying to figure out how to help their, you know, kids or loved ones to maybe transition away and so yeah. it's been generally a supportive environment i think it's a, it's a good place for people to do that um let me because you talked about and i think this is an important part because i mean yeah we can talk about veganism and carnivore and diet and stuff like that but i do think there's a lot of things that go into quality of life outside of diet and i know you said you you kind of focus on some of the other things so let me ask you just what are some of the other things you're you're, you're doing currently uh you know as far as you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, good question. I mean, I would say there's, there's the basic things like making sure, making sure I'm getting enough sleep, uh, water, exercise, um, 
try and get a variety of physical movement. I like to lift weights, but I'll also walk my dog every single day and go for walks and runs and kind of the simple basics. Um, also making sure I'm just listening to my body's needs. Like if I'm having a substantial amount of social interaction and I feel like I need more time by myself, just actually listening and not pushing myself to do things that create resistance and create stress in my body. Um, and if there are times when I'm traveling a ton and just like bam, 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 you know, more of an introvert, uh, being out and about a lot does take energy from me. So just making sure I'm replenishing my energy in the right way. Um, and also a lot of the things I've been diving into over the past few years have been, uh, mindset related. So just choosing to perceive certain situations in more positive ways and seeing the good in everything. And also, obviously understanding that there's duality in life, there's good and there's bad, but seeing the learning experience and everything. Uh, I learned that a lot with this situation of deciding to share my truth uh, with my diet change. And just, I think there's like 150 videos made about me and how I'm a horrible person. Uh, and just choosing to find the learning experience in that instead of letting it totally crush me. Um, that's been a lot of the other self-work I've been diving into. Yeah, I just, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of pains me to see all the, the negativity and I, you know, I get the same too. And sometimes I bring it upon myself because I, I, I'm kind of a, you know, I don't, much. I kind of get out there and just kind of give it back just as good as I get it. But I mean, are you getting some, at least some positive feedback? Are you getting people telling you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the right thing or, or you've helped me now that you've made the change and given me the courage to do that. Talk to me about some of the positive feedback you got, because we all know about the negative stuff and it, it just kind of, you know, kind of giving that attention just breeds more of it. So talk to me about some of the positive yeah. positivity you've received since you've made this, this switch. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of people who have been tuning in to my journey for like four plus years now, which is so crazy. And so they've seen the whole evolution. They saw videos and follow me on Instagram and all of that. They like, they know me pretty well. And so they knew when things were off and they saw me not being able to talk as clearly and, and just make us, good captions and like be as impactful as I was previously. And they, they have recognized and seen these changes in me over the past four or so months and are just like blown away. And uh, there are some people who are like, I don't like this new version of you, but the majority of people who have been tuning in for a while are like, wow, I'm stoked on this new version of you. And I see your confidence. I see your clarity. Like I see you just in the most positive light. And so there's definitely a lot of positive recognition and, people who are just stoked to have been here through the whole thing and see, see what's coming as well. Um, so it's good to have that through, through all of the craziness. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting too, with a scenario like that, where um, you can kind of look at it in a couple different ways, I think. And like one way is to look at, well, look at these people who are getting mad at me for what I did to try to help my own health. And the other way to look at it is, well, I definitely identified which people actually are wanting me to be healthy and healthy and happy and those folks who see me as a means to an end or a, a provider of the message that I'm also trying to spread. And to some degree, that's got to be a little bit of a relief where you're not necessarily questioning, is this person got my best intentions or not? Because they, they yeah. kind of tell you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There is, I lost about 25,000 subscribers on YouTube and I'm totally cool with it. Like can look anyone in the eyes and be like, I'm so cool with that because if, if those are the people who are going to be like tearing me down for trying to make positive changes and those are the people who are commenting like I don't like the 
confident, wholesome version of yourself. Like I like the more timid you, the more the version of you who's struggling to articulate yourself. Um, I'm not really interested in those people sticking around. So anyone who comments and is like, look what you've done. Like you've drawn away, you've like drove away 25,000 people. I'm like, I'm so cool with it. Hey, let me, um, and just, just, just for the record, you didn't grow to it. I put an Instagram we met it in Austin. And, and Elise, <laughs> say, Zach, if you don't know, Elise is not a giant person. She's, she's real petite, real sweet. And I put a joke just that she grew two inches since she started. I don't think that actually happened just to, just to, because there's people actually just believe it. It's so funny. I put, I put stuff up jokingly and some people actually believe it's true. But, yeah, um, you know, as if it seems like, Many people that that co-opt this, this this sort of vegan movement or vegan belief are younger females. I mean, it just seems like that's the the central demographic. And why do you think that is? Um, do you think there's some cultural pressure for that, or there's an increased susceptibility for that? And why might you say that? You know, and, and I think there's good reasons why women should be eating animal products in your diet. But can you speak to that specifically to women? Because I don't do it very good because I'm just not a very good woman. I mean, even if you dress whatever. <laughs> they'll be a horrible woman. So no yeah. offense to anybody that does the transgender stuff. <laughs> I mean, personally, I just, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work very well as a girl, but talk to me a little bit about sort of women specific or, you know, or female specific stuff around, around diet choices and why we see this being so prevalent among the, the young female population. Yeah. Okay. So I think for myself and for a few ladies that I know who went vegan, um, there's definitely a theme, not everyone, but there's definitely a theme with women coming from an eating disorder background. Uh, so for me, I found it very appealing that I could eat large quantities of food, but that they were lower in calories. Um, so people who are struggling with an eating disorder would consider those like safe foods. They're not super calorie dense. You can eat more of them, but you're not going to like put on the pounds. So there's definitely that situation. And I was actually speaking with this uh, lady at Paleo FX. Uh, her name's Kristen. And she was talking to me about how there's this kind of like a stigma where for some reason, women, if they're out at a restaurant, will choose the salad over the steak. Like there's something that's unladylike about eating the steak and that's something I didn't think about when I first went vegan, but it's something looking back now, I realized there definitely is that thing. Cause I remember a lot of my friends at the time uh, and myself, we would choose these other foods instead of the animal foods. Um, so there's definitely some societal messaging going on there. And that's something that I definitely feel passionate about speaking to, even though I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to dive into the whole food realm uh, with raw lime and it's just, it's too intense for me. It was, it was intense to go through that, but I do feel passionate about sharing that because the hormonal situation is like, it's so important to talk about. I mean, so many women are losing their menstrual cycle. So many women don't have a sex drive and it's just, it's crazy to look back on. So I'd say those are the two main things that I notice is coming from an eating disorder. Yeah. I was going to say that um, clearly, you know, we, we do see this cultural sort of pressure on women to always be very thin, uh, always, you know, choose a salad. And, and, I, and your point about eating these high uh, fiber, really basically high fiber foods, like, like vegetables that, that really, it's difficult to get a lot of calories from, but it, but it can fill you up. And more often it, it results in digestive discomfort, bloating, and so on and so forth, just because, you know, it's hard, hard to digest that stuff, you know, and it's kind of funny when people, I hear how meat rots in your colon, and I, and I know physiology doesn't even get there largely, it's mostly absorbed in the small intestine. And so, 
I mean, talk to me about the difference in hunger between, you know, what you're doing now with animal-based, more of an animal-based approach versus a purely, uh, you know, uh, plant-based approach. Is there a difference in, in satiety and hunger? Oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I think the last, um, the last little bit of my vegan world, um, you know, I was eating a higher fat diet. So I have kind of experienced the difference simply between a high carb and high fat uh, diet, but there's this whole other level of a high fat animal based diet versus high fat vegan diet. Um, it's so convenient. It's so easy. Uh, and it's so nice to not one, there's this constant level of energy and clarity, and there's not these ups and downs that I had with a higher carbohydrate diet. Um, and yeah, I feel like I can, I eat two meals a day. Normally I could eat one meal a day, but I don't, I eat two meals and it's just nice. I don't ever feel like I'm getting ravenous or like extremely cranky or anything like that. Um, there's just so much stability with it. And I would say really for anyone, that's probably going to be a perk, but especially for myself and probably you guys like having a busy lifestyle, just doing so much, it's really convenient. Um, so whether somebody's like a busy college student or a parent, um, or an athlete or an entrepreneur, I just feel like it's such a, such a benefit. Yeah, no, you hit it on the head. That's was essentially my experience going to high fat and then more meat based more recently, but like it's, I do two meals a day as well for the most part when I get into like real heavy training, sometimes I'll have more than that. But when I, what I prefer is I'll get back from like my first, my workout in the morning, I'll have a huge meal. And then I don't have to think about eating really again until dinner time, And that's usually after a second workout or something like that in the afternoon or early evening. Uh, and it's just, it is liberating just to know like, okay, I'm done with that portion of the day, which is the, the, the training for whatever race I'm doing. And I ate the meal to recover and be ready for the next one. Now I can spend the next seven, eight hours getting done everything I need to get done outside of that world <laughs> before having to think about it again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something, uh, and, and we can see that, you know, now we have these things called continuous glucose monitors, and we're seeing a lot of people on that, and we put them on a, a high fat and often a meat-based diet, very stable blood sugar, and, you know, you contrast that to what you might see on a carbohydrate-based diet, and it's very, it's very erratic, and you have these ups and downs, and, and it, it, that's a common thing. People say they just, they're just not hungry anymore, and it's very nice that you eat once or twice a day. Can you walk us through where you're at currently, maybe if you don't mind, just what are you eating? You know, what am you know, it's always, what do I eat in a day video? But I mean, if you were to tell us what is a typical day, you know, an average day for you look like currently? Uh, an average day for me recently um, has been, I'll wake up and maybe my first meal is at like 10 or 11 a.m. I'll maybe wake up at like six or something. Um, and my first meal will be maybe four or five eggs. I recently am trying out just the egg yolks because I had a friend share that whatever the egg whites were not as ideal. So I'm trying that out. Um, so four or five eggs and a little bit of salmon or a little bit of meat or a little bit of like beef trimmings. Um, and when I say a little bit, maybe like four to eight ounces, um, depending on how I'm feeling if I worked out that morning. Um, and then... I don't know, maybe at like 5 to 7 p.m. I'll have my other meal. And again, depending on how hungry I am, it'll maybe be like a pound of meat or maybe around a pound of fish and some eggs or a little bit of extra fat as well. Um, 
So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, that's super simple. It's kind of fun. You know, it's very easy. You don't have to plan 25 different recipes and eat 12 times a day or whatever. But talk to me about your, you know, I mean, because you were working out the whole time. And you know, and I assume you've always been kind of a petite, smaller person. Are you finding, talk, talk to me about how you find the difference between working out on a plant-based diet versus an animal-based diet and how you feel, perform, any body composition type of things you're noticing or maybe too early to tell. I don't know. Um. You got cut off after the difference in working out. Oh, I was going to say, you Just, know, if, if uh, you know, if you're noticing any significant changes in, in your capacity to work out, how body composition may be responding to that, you know, those types of things. Yeah, I've definitely noticed some changes. Um, I haven't been incredibly consistent. I've been traveling so much and when I travel, weightlifting goes out the door for me. But I have noticed that like with my inconsistency, whereas I was very consistent with lifting on a vegan diet, with my inconsistency now, I'm somehow maintaining more muscle than I even had on a vegan diet. So as far as performance goes, I can't really speak to that yet because I haven't been consistent enough. I would say like maybe a month in, I'll be able to, to speak to that more. Um, but that's my main thing is like, I'm actually maintaining some level of muscle without doing much, which is pretty sweet. Um, and also just to pop back to what we were talking about before with, with uh, women gravitating towards a plant-based diet, um, because there's this idea of we want to be lean and all of that. Like I feel the most lean I've probably been in a long time eating the way that I'm eating now, which I think is important to share as well. Yeah, and I would just, you know, I don't know what your caloric intake is now relative to what it is, but it, that is something I've seen that some people feel that they, they get their fill, they eat plenty, they eat plenty of calories, and they, you know, they, they, they're able to maintain more lean muscle, lean body mass and, and not put on fat. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I don't really know exactly how many calories I'm eating, but I know there's been a few days where I've had like hovering around 2000 or a bit more than that. And I'm 93 pounds i'm four feet 10 inches tall so that's like that's a decent bit and i don't honestly know where it's all going but yeah i feel i feel lean and i feel satiated and stable and strong and all the things maybe you get you up maybe get you up to a whole 100 pounds <laughs> that is the goal once i'm consistent i would love to hop on and share like a performance based uh yeah just talk about performance in a few months from now yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. So let me ask you, what do you have coming up? I mean, are you being, um, because, you know, you still have a lot of influence and now you're kind of in a different, different place. Are you finding different sort of people are approaching you, you know, for stuff? Because I know like some people when they're on a vegan diet, you know, you got the plant protein powder company saying, hey, do this. And, you know, the keto people are no different. And, and there's some meat people out there that they're, that, that probably are you, are you seeing some of that coming your way now? Um, not too, too much. I mean, I did a little bit of networking at the paleo event and definitely connected with a few companies, a few great people. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be patient and, and not pursue everything right away, even though I'm so excited about it. I kind of want to just take things slowly and kind of nurture my community and teach them what I'm learning as time goes on. Um, but I do have a friend who I met at some like nose to tail monthly box, which sounds pretty amazing. Um, so we'll see what I dive into, but I haven't like solidified anything yet. Um, but one thing that's cool is on Instagram uh, for the last 
four plus years, I was getting tagged like every single day with smoothie bowls and like all this fruit, even like the last year and a half, like I've said a few times that I I'm not focusing on food still tagged like again and again and all this food. And I'm like, ah, oh, people are still thinking of me as this. And in the past few weeks, I've been tagged in some meat photos and some keto photos. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is a change. This is a good thing. I probably get more steak photos sent to me than any other human on earth. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny different crowd. But anyway, Elisa, it was so much fun having you on. Uh, I wish you good success. Where can people find you? Where are you going to be? Like, are you doing like public type stuff? Or are you, are you, you know, I don't know. Are you, do you, do you dare to brave to go into the wild and, and see what happens to you? But I sometimes when I go to these speaking engagements, I'm, I'm just, I have to be careful. I'm walking through the produce section so I don't get, you know, carroted or something. So it's not carrot, maybe I don't know. So, you know oh where folks can find you and, 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 you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, anywhere on social media, just search raw alignment, uh, my website, pretty much every social platform I'll be on there. Um, I'm thinking about maybe heading to KetoCon. I haven't solidified anything yet, but chances are I'll start popping up at more of these events over the next year um, and just see where the journey takes me. But super grateful to be on here and yeah, thankful for this conversation. Excited to share it with my community and maybe we'll talk again with like a six months or one year update. That would be fun. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see a one-year follow-up to see where you're at. See where you're, you're, you're at 100 pounds and doing, uh, I don't yeah. know, backflips or something. Who knows? Did you ever <laughs> do gymnastics when you were a kid? I mean, I'm... You know, uh, when I was a lot younger. Okay. Yeah, I, I learned how to do a backflip when I turned 50, which was fun. Wow. And I'm a big guy. <laughs> so you, you can do it like no problem. That for might be, sure. That might be fun for you to do. Zach, anything else? I, I think that's it. This is, it has been great to have you on we'll definitely link your social website and youtube stuff to the show notes and uh, we'd love to have you back on uh whenever you're ready and i think a one-year checkup would be pretty cool dope i will reach out when i reach 100 pounds and we'll we'll do it again <laughs> we'll do one year or 100 100 pounds whichever one comes first <laughs> okay sounds good thank and you guys you so much and you can't just chug a gallon of water to get there either <laughs> all right it'll be a fair game <laughs> all right Okay, Zach. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elise. Hey, folks. Human Performance Outliers podcast is growing. And due to the growth, we are looking to take on some new sponsors. So if you feel like your company or organization would be a good fit for our audience, please do not hesitate to reach out to hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.